Thank God. Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold podcast is excited about season three and more fabulous guests. We have been talking with and sharing stories, experiences, and laughs with singers, songwriters, musicians, and independent artists in continuing gospel music and its gold. The guests on the show have tirelessly been on the battlefield to bring God's word through song, deed, and action. We also present tribute shows honoring those whom are no longer with us physically, but have left a legacy of gold with their contributions. We hope to continue bringing exciting shows and present great episodes and growing your knowledge in gospel music and its gold to keep you coming back for more. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Giving tribute today to Brother Joe May known as the Thunderbolt of the Midwest. He was a vocalist who was compared to having similar vocal prowess as Ms. Mahalia Jackson. He was under the influence of Mother Willie Mae Ford Smith after he and his family relocated from Macon, Mississippi to East St. Louis, Illinois to work in a chemical plant. He was noted as the greatest gospel singer of all time by his record label, which is where the title, The Thunderbolt, derived from. <laughs> Brother May had a voice of unimaginable range and power. He would take a song from a whisper to a scream without the slightest suggestion of effort. Brother Joe May began singing at the Thomas A. Dorsey's National Conventions of Gospel Choirs and Choruses, which was directed by Mother Willie Mae Ford. And in 1949, he began his solo career after signing with Specialty Records and went on to record multiple albums. He was asked multiple times to do secular recordings. However, he would have nothing to do with secular music. And even though he was cited as a musical inspiration by Little Richard, he still did not take that course. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Brother Joe May, billed as probably the greatest gospel singer of all time, the Thunderbolt of the Middle West had a massive vocal range and unparalleled dynamic control, slipping effortlessly from a whisper to an earth-moving blast. His commanding stage presence and superb delivery could have made him a blues star, but he would have nothing to do with secular music. He had several million selling records, and he was dubbed the male Mahalia Jackson, a sentiment wholeheartedly endorsed by Miss Jackson herself. Brother Joe May was born in 1912, and he has been billed as the greatest gospel artist of that time. A voice unimaginable with power and range, 
He was born in Macon, Mississippi, and was raised as a member of the Church of God denomination in which all men were referred to as brother. He sang with the little church out on the hills, senior choir, and then the Church of God quartet, building a reputation on the Southern gospel circuit. He worked as a laborer in Macon before moving in 1941 with his wife, Viola, and their children to East St. Louis, Illinois, where he was employed in a chemical plant. In St. Louis, he met and came under the influence of the singer Willie Mae Ford Smith and adopted much of her phrasing and performing style. Now, just a reminder for my listeners about Mother Willie Mae Ford Smith, she was an American musician and Christian evangelist instrumental in the development and spreading of gospel music in the United States. She grew up singing with her family, joining a quartet with her sisters. Later, she became acquainted with Thomas A. Dorsey, the father of gospel music. When he co-founded the National Convention of gospel choirs and choruses in 1932. Now, Mother Smith started the St. Louis chapter and became the director of the National Organization's Soloists Bureau, training up-and-coming singers in the gospel blues style. She became known for her nurturing temperament, leading to her commonly being called Mother Smith by those within her musical circle. For a decade, she traveled extensively, tutoring, singing, and preaching in the churches and at revivals. Her appearances were renowned for being intensely moving spiritual experiences. Now back to Brother May, he began singing at Thomas Dorsey's National Conventions of Gospel Choirs and Choruses. And that was directed by Mother Smith. And after a performance in Los Angeles in 1949, he was signed by talent scout J.W. Alexander to Specialty Records. A bit about Specialty Records was, it was an American record label founded in Los Angeles in 1945 by Art Roop. It was known for rhythm and blues, gospel, and early rock and roll, and recorded artists such as Little Richard, Guitar Slim, Percy Mayfield, and Lloyd Price. Roop established the company under the name Jukebox Records, but changed it to specialty in 1946. Roop established the company under the name Jukebox Records, but changed it to specialty in 1946. When he parted company with a couple of his original partners, Roop's daughter, Beverly, restarted the label in the 1980s. Bob May's first record, Search Me Lord, became a gospel hit and was estimated to have sold over 1 million copies, though without reaching any of the published record charts of the day. His follow-up record, Do You Know Him, in 1950, was equally successful, and Brother May became a full-time musician, touring nationally with gospel groups such as the Soul Stirrers 
and the Pilgrim Travelers. He also sang duets with Willie Mae Ford Smith and usually performed in a distinctive long white robe with a rope cross. He also incorporated quick hand claps for emphasis. That, to me, is more resembling on how Mahalia Jackson would sing. She would throw in a few hand claps during her singing. As one of the specialty label's most successful artists, the company tried to persuade him to record more secular material. But Brother May refused, although he acknowledged blues singer Bessie Smith as a major influence. His records often used a organ-dominated rhythm section, as well as a full choir, and he was sometimes described as a male equivalent of Mahalia Jackson, with whom he sometimes performed. He was cited as a musical inspiration by Little Richard. Now, this little bit that I found on one of the specialty albums, a little snippet that they had there. It says, they didn't call Brother Joe May the thunderbolt of the Midwest for nothing. He has the most powerful and dynamic range of any male singer I've ever heard. And that was stated by Specialty Records owner Art Roop. He commented on that in 1954. Now there is a collection of 27 of Brother May's performances, 10 of which were previously issued, which includes such classic solo hits as Search Me Lord, I'm Gonna Live the Life I Sing About in My Song, and Precious Lord, as well as stirring meetings with Sister Winona Carr, Cora Martin, and the Sally Martin Singers, the Pilgrim Travelers, and his daughter, Annette. Someday, Ruth stated, his records will be collected like Caruso and Bessie Smith records. However, Brother May's success in the gospel field was not translated into crossover success in the white record market. He left specialty records in 1958 and began recording his own compositions for the Nashville-based Nashboro label. Now, Nashboro was founded in Nashville, Tennessee, by Ernie Lafayette Young, and that label actually went from 1892 to 1977. What a long history of that. I'll talk about Nashboro at some point. But going on more about Ernie Lafayette Young, he was the owner of a record store, Ernie's Record Mart, and sponsor of a weekly hit parade show on the radio station WLAC. Ernie Young founded Nashboro to issue gospel records, and the following year also created Accelo Records to release secular music, especially R&B and blues acts. Nashboro became a prolific issuer of Southern Gospel records, and Ernie Young frequently signed gospel artists from competing labels after they had folded. Some of the groups were backed by 
muscle show rhythm section in the studio. The muscle show rhythm section is a group of American session musicians based in Northern Alabama, the town of Muscle Shoals. One of the most prominent American studio house bands from the 1960s and the 1980s. These musicians individually or as a group have been associated with more than 500 recordings, including 75 gold and platinum hits. They were masters at creating a Southern combination of R&B, soul, and country music, known as Muscle Shoals Sound. And they were billed to back up Black artists who were often in disbelief to learn that the studio musicians were white. Over the years from 1962 to 1969, there have been two successive groups under the name Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section. And the common factor in the two was an association with Rick Hall at FAME, that's F-A-M-E, studios in Muscle Shoals. To replace these musicians, Hall hired a core group consisting of Barry Beckett, Roger Hawkins, David Hood, and Jimmy Johnson. Initially called the Second Fame Gang, but widely known by the nickname the Swampers. Now, the Swampers subsequently recorded, produced, or engineered classic hits by Aretha Franklin, <laughs> Wilson Pickett, Percy Sledge, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, Leon Russell, Leonard. Skyert, Rod Stewart, Bob Sager, and the Staple Singles. And the Staple Singers. The Swampers were the subject of a 2013 documentary film, Muscle Shows, winner of the 2013 Boulder International Film Festival Grand Prize. They were mentioned by name in the lyrics of Sweet Home, Alabama in 1974 by Leonard Skynard and appear on the cover of Cher's 1969 album, 3614 Jackson Highway. Aretha Franklin recorded at FAM on only one occasion with the Swampers providing the accompaniment. Her hit song, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, was recorded at the studio in 1967. After Franklin's husband, Ted White, started an altercation, producer Jerry Wexler decided to continue recording the album in New York, again using the Swampers. The group also accompanied Aretha Franklin on her other albums, such as Lady Soul. Aretha Arrives, Aretha Now, and This Girl's In Love With You. In 1969, the Swampers parted ways with Rick Hall and Fame Studios and founded their own competing business, the Muscle Shoals Sound Studios. 
They also copyrighted the name, the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section. A third FAM Rhythm Section was formed consisting of Freeman Brown, who's on drums, Jesse Boyce on bass, Junior Lowe on guitar, Clayton Ivy on keyboard, and a four-man brass section. They were a blend of African-American and white, and sometimes they were called the FAM game. Both of the original FAM group and the second group, Swampers, have been inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame and into the Musicians Hall of Fame in 2008. Now back to Brother May, I just wanted to give some more information about the background and the support and some things that we may not typically know right off the top of our head. So I don't want to just say something and you not understand what's going on because it is kind of hard to follow sometimes when you're talking about someone with such a rich history but not a lot of written history about them. And that's what I wanted to share with you, the audience, of knowing a little bit more about what went behind Brother Joe May and the, or I'll use the word, cross segments of what happens during the course of someone's actual career in gospel music and how so many paths are crossed and cooperations that happen. And now that I'm talking about that, I'll go back to Brother May, who also performed and made recordings with his daughter, Annette, and with singer Jackie Verdell. Now, Jackie Verdell, for someone who may not know who she is, she was a gospel singer born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, she joined the Davis Sisters in 1955, who recorded on Savoy Records of Newark, New Jersey. Jackie Verdell possessed a powerful mezzo-soprano voice, and her performances on records such as Lord Don't Leave Me, Following Him, and I Don't Know What I'd Do made an impression on the young Aretha Franklin amongst others. I also consider Jackie Verdell with the Davis sisters, one of the best and most underrated female soul singers of all time, said Aretha Franklin in her 1999 autobiography, which was entitled Aretha from these roots. It was through Jackie that I learned the expression, girl, you pee tonight, meaning you were dynamite. Verdell was second lead for the Davis sisters between 1955 and 1960, featuring on many of their Savoy recordings. Now here, I'd like to actually play a song that Brother Joe May and Jackie Verdell sang, You're Gonna Need Him. I think you'll get a great joy out of hearing their interaction. Oh, you're gonna need him, you're gonna need him, you're gonna need him after a while. Oh, you're gonna need him, you're gonna need him, you're gonna need him after a while. 
feeds me when I get hungry. Yeah. And he's a good friend of mine. Yes, he is. And every time I get in trouble, Jackie, call him up any time. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. You're going to need him. Afterwards. For those who have never heard the Davis sisters, I thought too that I would bring up another song to feature the Davis sisters and talk about their power. Now, although this is about Brother Joe May, he crossed paths with a lot of people in the gospel world. And since I'm talking about uh, Jackie at this time as well and his collaboration collaboration with Jackie, I thought I'd play a little bit of the Davis sisters as well. Once again, it's the world's famous Davis sisters, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What are you going to sing, girl? I believe I'll go back home. I believe I'll go back home.
Now, after Brother Jome returned to the South, his popularity continued to grow in that region. And in the early 1960s, he starred with Marion Williams in the musical Black Nativity in New York City and toured U.S. and Europe with that production. Now, I talked about Black Nativity uh, last week on a previous show. So if you don't know about Black Nativity, go back and listen to that episode to understand what Black Nativity is about. I also reviewed the discography of Brother Joe May. And the, this is just a list of the albums that he produced and put out. Walk On and Talk On in 1962. Songs of the Gospel, 1964. My Own Fault, 1966. That's Enough, 1967. Best of Joe May, 1967. I've Been Dipped in the Water, 1968. Don't Let the Devil Ride, 1969. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Today, 1970. Thank you, Lord, for One More Day, 1970. In Church with Brother Joe May, 1971. The Joe May Story, a two-album set. Search Me, Lord, in 1974. And then there was an album that was out in loving memory of Brother Joe May, a collection of his most famous recordings that was released in 1974. Now, I tell you that I do research and I try to find as much correct information as possible. And I came across this little segment about one of Brother Joe May's recordings. It says, with several of his own compositions on Thunderbolt of the Middle West, this specialty compilation is a good place to start as some of Brother Joe May's CDs trade for over $1,000 secondhand. Following more research on this, uh, that amount was not even found. <laughs> and uh, that's why I cannot just go on one resource to find information. We must investigate and give accurate information. Now, a little bit of information for those who may not know, CDs were not around during Brother Joe May's time of recording. That's That's first. So when someone wrote about a CD going for $1,000, I thought that was a bit much. And during his time, there were 78s, and you've really got to know what was going on with a 78. There were 45s, and then 33 and a half was a formal case of what they called an album. Uh, the 12-inch didn't come around until the 80s. But that's something totally different. 
But talking about Thunderbolt of the Middle West, it was remastered and released in 1993. So I'm assuming that's what they're talking about when they talk about a CD. And it indicates that it was released in 1993 by Specialty Records under the series Specialty Legends of Gospel out of the United Kingdom. So it seems to me that someone purchased it, remastered it, and then put it out again in 1993. And on there, there are 27 cuts on that track list. Uh, and each of them not exceeding three minutes and 24 seconds. Where am I going with this? Uh, if you have a recording with 27 cuts on it, you get a recording with 27 cuts on it. And now that we have something called digital downloads, which are usually like $1.99 per download, they may in fact rate that album, that one recording at $54. So if you're looking at that and you get a 27 track cut, but here, just remember this article of music could possibly be worth $54 to in today's time. So enough about costs. <laughs> I see that the compilations are uh, quite a few and on several of them, he was accompanied by the Sally Martin singers. Now for anyone who's not familiar with Sally Martin, and of course I will do a show on Sally Martin as well because she was a dynamic woman in gospel music as well. But Sally Martin, she was born in 1895. Wow, that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> she was referred to as the mother of gospel uh, for her efforts to popularize the songs of Thomas A. Dorsey and her influence on other artists. Now, Sally Martin was su a successful artist in her own right. She formed her musical group, Sally Martin Singers, uh, where she had her daughter, Cora Martin Moore, Diana Washington. Now, Diana Washington, if anyone knows the history of that name, her name was actually Ruth Jones. And when she went secular, she changed her name to Diana Washington. And part of the group also included Brother Joe May, who sang with Sally Martin Singers. And they were featured in the 19, I'm sorry, they were featured in 1940 after a dispute with Dorsey, she started her own publishing house, Martin and Morris Music, with Kenneth Morris, a gospel music publisher, arranger, composer, and innovator. They were responsible for publishing a number of gospel standards, including Just a Closer Walk With Thee. So in this episode, I'm not only telling you about Brother Joe May, but I'm also giving you little sprinkles of other great gospel artists, musicians, writers. And here we are listening to, I just told you about Sally Martin, who started her own publishing company. Now, gospel music is not just about singing and delivering. It's also about a business of bringing others to gospel music and being able to help those uh, 
And I found another article that says here about Sally Martin. It says, having left Dorsey, Sally Martin gravitated to the First Church of Deliverance on Chicago's South Side on Wabash Avenue, where the extroverted Reverend Clarence Cobb. Now, I remember my mother talking about uh, Reverend Cobb when I was a, a little girl. I remembered her talking about him. Uh, Reverend Cobb presided over a spiritualist congregation. And Reverend Cobb actually helped to motivate her and get her involved. Sally Martin getting her involved with music publication. And how did he do that? He had set her up with one of his pianists and songwriters, Kenneth Morris. And that's where they began to work together and founded the publishing company, Martin and Morris Publishing Company. And their first hit, like I mentioned, was Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And it was Kenneth Morris who later wrote Dig a Little Deeper, which sold half a million copies for Mahalia Jackson in 1947. Come on now. <laughs> you can't tell me that our people cannot generate and motivate one another and generate such prosperity and growth. And what I liked about this reading and doing research about Brother Joe May is I'm finding out more. I didn't really realize who I was listening to because a lot of times on the radio, they would play songs, but you really never actually knew unless you had their albums. And I recall hearing him, but not really understanding because I was really, 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 really young. And of course, by the time I'd heard any of his music, he had long passed. Uh, and But you hear on some of the gospel shows that they would play uh, information or play things because he died in the early 70s. And I was maybe a thought <laughs> in my parents' eyes, but we'll we'll talk more about that too. And I would like to read from 1962. There are some notes that on an album that I found uh, that does have some information on there. Uh, and this was from his 1962 recording. Uh, and it was written... Nashboro, of course, the publishing company, the um, the PR company that wrote this information, uh, but says the deep organ-like tonal quality of Brother Joe May's voice, as presented on his first album release, has delighted thousands of listeners, both in concert and on single records since he hit the gospel trail back in 1952. Now, I definitely was not even a thought. <laughs> My parents weren't even married at that time, so I definitely didn't know about that. But born in Macon, Mississippi, of very religious parents, he early displayed a desire and a talent which have born in Macon, Mississippi, of very religious parents, 
he early displayed a desire and a talent which have enabled him to become one of America's top male singers of gospel music. At the age of nine, he had developed a style of singing which commanded the attention of the church members and he was asked to join the senior choir of the little church out on the hills in his hometown. His reputation as a child gospel singer soon spread throughout Mississippi and Alabama. When Brother Joe May was older, he became a crusading minstrel, touring the country at first with the Church of God Quartet, soon as a soloist to become known as the Thunderbolt of the Midwest. When he auditioned before five men and women who were authorities on gospel singers, they all agreed that he was one of the finest gospel singers in the country. Brother Joe May is a singer filled with the Spirit of God at all times, as reflected in his singing and in his daily life. Wherever he makes a personal appearance in churches, theaters, or auditoriums, thousands flock to hear him. Just as his voice has grown in maturity and richness, so has grown his realization that the world is in desperate need of the truths embodied in the gospel. And to that end, he has dedicated himself and his talent. And this was written by Nashville Records. And they, they indicate here that they are proud to present Brother Joe May in this collection of gospel songs. I thought that was a real nice tribute of talking. And I know, of course, record labels, they want to really pump you up. But I think that was a great description of what Brother Joe May uh, embodied. Now, I mentioned earlier that I was going to come back to this song, Don't Let the Devil Ride, Brother Joe May. He actually did an album. The whole album was named Don't Let the Devil Ride. And I remembered a few years ago, I heard someone say something about Don't Let the Devil Drive or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's a really unique statement to make. But I see back in the late 50s, early 60s, Brother Joe May did a song called Don't Let the Devil Ride. And just to give you the lyrics, don't let the devil ride. Oh, don't let the devil ride. If you let him ride, he'll want to drive. Don't let him ride. Don't let him hold your hand. Oh, <laughs> don't let the don't let him hold your hand. Don't let the devil ride. If you hold his hand, he'll want you to join his band. Don't let him ride. Don't let him flag you down. Oh, don't let the devil ride. If he flags you down, he'll turn your soul around. Don't let him ride. Don't let him be your guide. Oh, don't let the devil ride. If he's your guide, he'll take your pride. Don't let the devil ride. Don't let him ride. Now, I say this because it's humorous, but it is very 
to the point and telling you about being careful. Don't let the devil ride. So it's about ministry. Now, I came across this because I remember hearing this in the 90s and realized that Angie Spivy and the Voices of Victory actually did the song, an updated version of the song, on their album in the 1990s. And I should let you hear a little bit of, of theirs, but we'll see. I'll see about that. But in this version, they add some current lyrics in there, like, don't let the devil use your telephone. Come on now. <laughs> so you want to make sure that the devil don't use nothing of yours. Keep it to yourself. And that was a motivating song. And it's so powerful. And I also found a version by a blues singer because it's a bluesy song. If you've heard the song, uh, it's a bluesy song. And it was, it's actually, I found it by Lurie Bell, who is a blues guitarist and singer born in Chicago, Illinois. And he's been performing since the 1970s and he's traveled with Coco Taylor and the blues machine so when you you think about the songs and I've mentioned earlier that it was indicated that Brother Joe May's songs were not crossover songs but you look at this and still in the 90s in the 1990s someone re-recorded that song and put modern day information in there and then we have a blues singer, Lori, who has, who's noted for singing the blues, actually recording that song as well. Now, Brother Joe May continued to perform widely in the Southern states, despite, despite. Now, Brother Joe May continued to perform widely in the Southern states, despite health problems and recorded a series of gospel albums for Nashboro label through the 1960s into the early 1970s. And on his way to a performance in Thomasville, Georgia, he suffered a massive stroke and died in 1972 at the age of 59. And in 2000, he was posthumously inducted into the International Gospel Music Hall of Fame in Detroit. And I'll just say, I love listening to gospel music gold. And this was one of our treasures in gospel music, Brother Joe May. I just couldn't resist. I have to play just a little snippet of the version that Angie Spivy and the Voices of Victory did on Don't Let the Devil Ride on their album In the Church.
I want to thank you for listening to this tribute show honoring the late brother Joe May in this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show, send me an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. You may like and subscribe to the podcast and you'll be notified when the next episode is published. There is now a Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold radio show on WMRMDB internet radio station Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. I am your host and Sonia saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless. This episode has been sponsored by Nelsie IT. The disaster has happened. We were all caught off guard March 2020. And in many cases, there is now a rebuilding process which must take place. How does this affect you? as a church leader or a small business owner? With over 20 years of experience, we can help you create an emergency response and a business continuity plan for your church or your small business. We discuss methods of preparing for the next emergency or disaster. Here are a few things we can speak to you about for your church how to continue communicating with your congregants without access to your physical location. How do members reach the leadership staff? What about church records? Are they safe and available? And here are a few things we will cover for a small business. Communicating with your customers and meeting their needs and or orders. Do you have a backup process? to keep your business records safe? We can talk about technology, security, and record keeping. For more information, contact us at 708-762-3587. That's 708-762-3587. And we can discuss how you can feel more comfortable in creating a emergency response plan and or a business continuity plan. Mm